Welcome back to Rebound Off the Net. I'm your host, Joshua Cox. You can follow us on Twitter at ReboundNet, at ReboundNet. You can email us at ReboundOffTheNet at gmail.com, ReboundOffTheNet at gmail.com. Let's get to our exclusive interview. We are joined today by an Arena Bowl champion, the new head coach and vice president of player development for the inaugural franchise of the Restart AFL, the Billings Outlaws. His name is Mr. Cedric Walker. Coach Walker, we appreciate you being with us today. Man, thank you very much for having me. Coach, when I asked your owner, Steve, last or this week on the podcast uh, where he wants the franchise in five years, he said, plain and simple, he wants to be going for the six straight arena bowls. So how do you feel about those expectations, Coach? I mean, that's where it should be. You know, that's why we're doing this. Uh, we're not doing this just to be uh, mediocre. Uh, he has a plan. He has a vision. Uh, my job as the coach, uh, as, the, as the leader, is to make sure that we can achieve those goals. Uh, give us some backstory about how you met Steve and how you ultimately become the head coach of the Billings Outlaws. Man, that's just kind of like a soap opera. Um, I was in uh, Spokane, Washington in 2021, and um, it was an absolute fiasco. We got ready to start a season, and then uh, we got kicked out of the league due to uh, our owner not paying his bills. Um, so uh, right when the season started, I was kind of unemployed. I was in uh, uh, Tri-Cities area. I uh, thought about not coaching no more. Uh, because it, it was a, left a bad taste in my mouth. And then I get a call from uh, Dale Shess that um, I just, and it's funny because I just saw that uh, an arena team fired the whole coaching staff. And then one of my old players, uh, which was uh, Raymond McNeil, said, man, you should uh, apply for that. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about the CIF and all that at the time. Um, so long story short, you know, um, I talked to uh, Dale Shrestead and he's like, Coach, man, we need you to come out here and help us out with this. And um, at the time, I was a defensive coordinator. So um, I decided to go out to Gillette. And first of all, the only, place, only, only time I knew anything about Gillette was Gillette Stadium <laughs> and, um, in Foxborough. So going to Gillette, Wyoming was a big thing. So when we got out there, um, it was an absolute mess. Um, you know, Steve had just bought the team. And uh, we had to get some stuff situated. And he asked me what my vision was, and I told him what my vision was. And then he came back with his vision, and um, we sat down. We, I mean, we got through that season. We, had, you know, we ended up making the playoffs somehow. Um, but we sat down after that season, and he had a plan. He had a vision, and our plan and vision um, were similar in regards to what we needed to do uh, to get to where we need to be. And, and you know, we uh, we rebranded Gillette uh, last season. Uh, we went into it with a plan. Um, and um, absolutely, man, Steve and I have been, uh, I think it's been a good relationship because uh, we understand each other. Um, he, uh, the one thing that I, I really believe in is loyalty. Um, um, he's loyal to me and I'm loyal to him because if it wasn't for him, and, um, I don't think I would have this. I would be in this position as it is. Um, so, uh, and I think he trusts me with all the knowledge um, that I've had uh, accrued over, you know, playing and coaching. And everything that we've done um, so far has worked, has been um, successful. I know we got a long way to go. Um, we sat down prior to um, the announcement to the AFL. He asked me my thoughts, and I told him it would be uh, the best things for himself, Billings. And um, he made it happen. 
Yeah, there's a lot of competition in the spring football space. It hasn't always it hasn't always been there before when the league existed. USFL, XFL, and other indoor leagues. What is your sales pitch to players to come to Billings and play for you, and how do you convince them that you're their best bet with so much competition out there? Well, it's just very simple. Uh, I, I've been in the shoes. I, you know, like I tell all these young men, I've been on the other end of these phone calls. Um, the, the beauty of it is, is that uh, when I played, you only had one road. You know, if it was out in the NFL, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't go to Canada at the time. And then when the ring football came, that was your avenue. And the big thing is, is having real conversations with these young men because you think about it like with anything. And I, and I tell them, you know, I claim the same as Kurt Warner. Kurt, Kurt Warner took the, the, the bumpy road to get to where you're at. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, just because you don't have the easy path to get to your ultimate goal don't mean it's a, a failure. So you might have to take a detour. Um, a lot of these kids get, you know, uh, get caught up as NFL or nothing. And, you, you know, everybody goes to look at everybody. That's their dream. And then once you realize the, the realization that, hey, I've got to go this route or I've got to be able to do this, then that's when me as a coach, me as uh, a young man who's been through this process can have those real conversations with him. Um, the one thing I don't do to these players, I don't lie to them because um, – I hated that when uh, when I was playing, and I treat these players um, how I wanted to be treated when I played. And, I, and it's easy when you can sit down and have a real conversation with a young man. Sometimes they, they, they get it, and sometimes after they decided what they wanted to do, didn't work, they'll come back and say, hey, Coach, what, we, what can we do to get to this point? So where are things at in the process of getting the coaching staff around you, and what are you looking for in that area? Actually, uh, my coaching staff is actually solidified. Um, there's a, uh, I really can't um, say names right now because of the once we get everything done, actually from the meeting, from the owners' meetings, right now when everything is going to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, no, like I said, Steve's at the uh, AFL owners' meetings uh, this weekend. Um, my coaches uh, is guys that have played the game. Um, my coaches is guys that I played against and guys that's played for me because they understand what work is. They understand um, uh, the, what we've got to do as a coaching staff to make sure that these young men are successful. Uh, and the one thing that we try to do is uh, the coaching staff that I have assembled, uh, they've all played the game. They can all have real man conversations with these young kids. And there's nothing that uh, these young kids can do, say, or are, they've done that we haven't done so we have we, we pretty much feel like we have the answers for everything and, and the main thing is i trust my coaches what kind of culture are you looking to build within the outlaws organization uh it's it's very simple and i know everybody's heard this but mike tomlin said it best Dion said it uh the other day on uh undisputed the standard is the standard uh, we're going to be a blue collar physical team uh, our attention to detail uh, because the one thing is, is that um, if we can incorporate that and understand that, A, this is a family, and B, you, the the passion, the love for football, everything can take care of itself. Because the main thing, and kind of go back to your to the question, the first, the first thing I ask these players when I talk to them, is football important to you? Because if football is not important to you, then, then this conversation can stop. Because football has to be important to you. You have to understand, uh, you have to, uh, sacrifice, dedicate for them for the months that you you are here to get you where you need to be. Some guys can do that, 
you know, some guys understand that. Some guys, um, and it's hard for some guys to understand why they're in the situation here because of the dedication uh, that they have for that certain period of time. Um, so what we try to incorporate here is, is a family, blue collar, attention to detail, and, you know, the standard is the standard. We talked about uh, Kurt Warner a little bit earlier, so I want to kind of go back to that. At the press conference last week, you proudly wore your Arena Bowl ring uh, yes. that you denied Kurt Warner from getting. Take us back to that, <laughs> one of the greatest and historic games in AFL history, and could you ever imagine Kurt Warner's career would have ended up the way it did? No, you know what? Uh, at that point in time, because we had played Iowa, uh, I think it was at, it was in 97, and at, we played in front of like 22,000 people. Uh, in a, at the old America West in Arizona. And it was a shootout until we, you know, defense, we made some stops and we ended up winning. Um, but to see Kurt go from, you know, bagging groceries uh, to being a Hall of Famer. Um, and it's funny because my, my old Kurt Warner story is that uh, uh, when he does see me or anybody from the Arizona Rattlers, He's always says, man, hey, man, that you, that's my ring. And then we are in our biggest thing is, man, you're a Hall of Famer and you got a, uh, you got a Super Bowl ring. So he's like, no, but that's the one that meant the most because it's where, you know, where he came from. Uh, but um, playing against Kurt, having Kurt represent the AFL um, the way he did uh, was absolute the best thing for the league. I mean, there's a lot of people that's come out of the arena league that, you know, people don't know, you know, Matt Nagy. Um, Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator from uh, for the 49ers, uh, Sean Payton, uh, the, the head coach from the. Here's a here's a little tidbit: the head coach, uh, the head coach from um, uh, Miami, used to be the head, used to be a quarterback here in Billings. Oh wow! Back in the whole IFL days. Well, and so it's 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 a, it, it opened up a lot. I think it allowed uh, guys like myself. Uh, uh, a different avenue, but, but also a way that we can provide for our families and, and still be professionals because you got to realize a lot of these kids still look up to these young men um, that's playing this game and they can still be role models. Yeah. Yeah. You play and coach at a lot of different stops. Uh, do you have a favorite franchise you played for or coached for and why? Well, my favorite fr franchise that I played for was Arizona Rattlers. Um, Arizona, uh, Doug K was the mastermind actually getting into coaching uh, because he, he taught us so much. Um, er, uh, that Rattlers, we were a family because we had several guys. You know, I'm from Texas. We had about six guys from Texas. So we all, everything we did was like a family uh, for the four years that I was there. Um, the best franchise that I've ever coached for, and I know Steve won't get mad at me in San Jose, uh, uh, Darren Arbet, John Fry. Uh, the standard in regards how they run an organization is top notch. Um, you know, Darren Arbad taught me a lot what it is to be a coach, what it is to be organized, what it is to make sure that all these young men uh, get to the next level. And Mr. Fry um, showed all of us young men how to run a business. And the thing about it is Mr. Fry is probably one of the smartest football minds that I've ever been around. And, you know, he taught the game. So if it wasn't for those two organizations, I don't think I'd be in the situation I am right now. Coach, you've been around the league since the 90s. The league has ultimately ceased twice. You have to learn from yes. history or you'll repeat it. What do you ultimately think went wrong before? And what do you think Lee Hutton and Travell Gaines are doing differently that's going to be sustainable and successful this time around? Well, personally, uh, my take is, is that, 
when it was at its highest point, it had its own identity. And when I said Ironman football, it kind of took us back to the high school. You know, guys had to play both ways. We had a niche where a lot of these guys were, you know, local. When I say local, but the, the you know, in Arizona, everybody knew us. I mean, we were up there with the at the time with the with the, with the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. You know, we, they knew us. You know, they'd come up and talk to us after the game, or not have a drink with us and everything. And I think what happened is we allowed, um, at the time it was going on, I think the NFL Europe was going on. And so when we allowed uh, the Bon Jovi's, uh, the Elways, uh, the, the, all these NFL teams in, and we made it one way, it, 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 that's where I think it became the downfall of it. I mean, it was great, but also you got to think about our niche uh, in the professional football game was, you know, two ways, you know, guys coming in and doing it. Now we became more of a form system and then now you start getting in and then you had people uh, at the time i think it was uh baker commissioner baker over overpricing um the value of these uh, franchises and in, instead of helping it grow i think a lot of people took that money and ran with it and that's why i think my personal opinion was was the downfall of it what do you see in lee hutton and Jabelle Gaines that they're doing differently to sustain it and make it successful they have a they, they 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 understand that um, uh, people's the, the finances. They understand that the the demographics. They understand um, to me the big fish in the little pond um, syndrome in regards to making sure that you know people in Billings. You think about it. What professional team is in Billings, Montana? Exactly. But you got realize that laws. Outlaws have a great history here. You know, they, like I said, they were the first, they won the IFL the first two years. And people know that. So that's their thing. You know, you go back and look at the, the, the teams that they, he's picked up. I know Orlando was one of the originals. People in Orlando, the Predator fans are crazy. You know, you, you want to, you want to get to the point where these owners are not sitting up here, uh, uh, Losing crazy money because you know, realistically speaking, you know, the first couple of years or or break even, but have a plan how we can get the fans back into the game, how we can get back to how it was when when I played it. Our biggest thing was just making sure that everything was practical and affordable, and that, and talking to uh, you know. The little time I talked to uh, Mr. Hutton and Mr. Gaines, they they have a great plan. And the, and the thing is, is that, you know, Mr. Hutton being a lawyer and Travell being um, into the, the sport business, they have a lot of connections. And so being able to have those connections and having that vision and people that they know have the exact same vision and thinking outside the box, I think is going to be real successful for the NFL. Yeah, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but people have different definitions of success. What do you think success looks like for the AFL this time around? I, I just think one thing that we can't do, we can't be like these other leagues here today going tomorrow. We can't do that. you got to have uh, sustainability. And you also got to realize you got to make it to the point where these owners, uh, it's affordable for these owners. Uh, we got to make sure that uh, the quality, you know, and, I, and, and I'm big on this, the quality of the product is where it's at. You know, make sure we have great coaches. Uh, make sure that these young men understand this is a different, you know, this this is a different avenue to getting where you need to be. You know, so don't 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 sell yourself short. And the thing is, it's keep it. It's it's, it's football. 
you know, it, it's it's the highest indoor football there is, just like NFL is the highest outdoor football. It's still football. You know what I'm saying? We just got to make sure that our, our, our quality and the quality of our our players and then our production and everything is where it needs to be. Okay. Last question for you, Coach, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, 25 years from now, if you guys are sitting at a bar watching the Arena Football League game, reminiscing about the past and the name Cedric Walker gets brought up, how do you want your impact on the Arena Football League to be remembered at that time? Actually, I just, you know, I just want people to understand and and say that I was just a you know blue collar guy, work my butt off uh, to do whatever I can to make sure that this league um, is it was and is and stays successful because it, it was great to my family and hopefully I'm alive so I can walk in and, and show them a couple of old old VHS tapes and let them see how it used to be. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, Coach. Coach Walker, we appreciate your time. Uh, like I told Steve, we look forward to getting to, I look forward to getting up to Billings uh, this spring. Look forward to yeah, seeing, you have to look forward to seeing the Arena Bowl champions play this spring. <laughs> hey, you know the one thing is if you if you can't if you don't believe it, you don't speak it, it can't happen. So you gotta put it out there. That's right. Gotta have faith. Exactly. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate your time. This has been another episode of Rebound Off the Net. I'm your host, Joshua Cox. A big thank you to Coach Cedric Walker and owner Stephen Titus for coming on the podcast this week. Been very impressed with the Outlaws organization and believe big things are happening in Billings. We'll be back with another episode soon. In the meantime, always remember catch the rebound off the net.